Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Merciless, Chapter 7. Rook! Jocelyn screamed, You idiot! You scared me to death! He strode down the steps, his hands in his pockets, whistling. He was tall and lean and muscular, with long blonde hair and a ponytail down his back. He had one light brown eye, the other was hidden under a rakish black eye patch. Now, darling, if I hadn't come along when I did, you'd have had a very bad shock when you opened that front door. Hi, little fella. How are you? He asked the small boy in the back seat, in a very pronounced South African accent. I'm good, Marky said. Who are you? Rook, was the amused reply. You only got one eye. I noticed, Rook told him, not taking offense. I'm sorry. The man looked at the boy with visible softening. Nice of you to say that. Did some mean man hurt you? You might say that, Rook replied. I like your eye patch. You could be a pirate on Halloween, Rook pushed out laughing. You know, I've been called a pirate a time or two. He looked pointly at Jocelyn. Why are you here? What's wrong with the apartment? She asked Burnley. Nothing major. Step over here, Betsy. He smiled reassuringly to Marky. But when he turned back to Jocelyn, his hard face was home. Somebody had a good go at your desk at the gas. They were looking for something. Any idea what? Her heart stopped. She had no important papers. Nothing that would interest an outsider. It was only the usual things, bank deposit records, tax information, Marquis' birth certificate in her own, nothing, nothing. There was her diary. She brushed past Rook and ran into the apartment in a panic. She kept the diary on her bedside table, but it was under a mass of other objects like paperwork and a pad and pen over the counter. Analytics, booklets, and instructions for electrical things like her clock. She fumbled in the drawer, horrified at some of the things she'd written down. It occurred to her that anyone would rob her. She pulled out books, scattering them, scared to death, put them. But then there was at the bottom of the drawer small lock and sack. It hadn't been opened. She clutched it to her breast and shivered with it. Something damaging there, I presume, gently. She looked at him with severe. People write down things they never should. <laughs> he nodded solemnly. Yes. She drew him. I'd better burn it. I think putting it in the bank and a safe deposit box. He just said, along with my diamond collection and my gold bars. He Listen, I can barely pay the rent. There's no money for extras. It's better to destroy. No good could come of keeping it anyways. Keeping what, Mommy? Marky asked as he joined them. Rook had brought him inside the minute. Jocelyn vanished into the apartment. She grimaced at her lack of instincts, leaving Marky alone in the car. It's all right. I've got your back. Rook is shorter with a smile. It's just a diary, Marky. Jocelyn told him. I wanted to make sure I knew where it was. That's all. Can I read? Can I read it? She's what? When you're older. Okay. Rook was watching her through a narrow, pale brown eye. Something in that diary was enough to make her panic. He wondered what it was. The rest of the apartment was seemingly untouched at first glance. Jocelyn was nervous. Somebody had touched her things, invaded her privacy. She felt it violated. Now she wondered if she needed new locks. Yes, you do, Rook said when she mentioned it. I'll install dead boats tomorrow. Do you... Need permission from the landlord? She shook her head. I asked once before, and the manager approved it in writing. I just didn't get around to it. Brooke nodded. Her expression was briefly unguarded as she looked up at him. I wasn't scared before, she said unsteadily, his one eye narrowed and his lean face on. Any normal human being would be afraid for a child, he said quietly, so the mark he didn't hear. She turned on the spot. Time for someone's favorite show, I believe, she teased. Putting Marky in his little beanbag chair in front of the TV, he giggled. I love this one, he told her, and immediately became entranced by the cartoon characters on the screen. 
He can already pick out certain characters in Japanese just by watching that cartoon, Jocelyn told her. I think he may have a flair for languages. <laughs> Do you speak any? He asked without approving, appearing to care. She laughed. I can barely speak my own language. Then he must get it from his father or someone else in his family, he said easily. Jocelyn went pale. You think so? <laughs> I better check and make sure nothing was taken. Which brought back the enormity of having her apartment ransacked. She was terrified, trying not to show because she didn't want to upset Marky. She went quietly from room to room and found it, though. She thought nothing else had been touched. She was wrong. There were papers scattered, drawers askew, even chair cushions upended. What in the world could they have been looking for? She wondered uneasily. What sort of important papers do you keep here besides that diary? Ass nodding toward the dirty, the diary that she was holding so tightly in one hand. She pushed back her head and looked around, worried. Nothing much. The usual bills, important papers, birth certificates. Are they all here? She went to the folder where she kept her personal documents in a cheap cardboard filing cabinet and pulled out the file folder. There was nothing that would prove anything. She'd been very careful about that. She opened the folder and looked inside. Inside and helped was relief. Everything's right here, she said and laughed in suddenly. Rook's eyes were narrow and thoughtful. He wasn't going to tell her that there were ways to collect documents without physically removing them, and any good agent carried a tiny camera, often disguised as a cigarette lighter or a pen. A lock on a diary was so simple to open that a beginner could do it with ease and without leaving any telltale marking of tampering. She was used, unusually worried about that diary and some of her important papers. Why? She saw his mind working and her face on it. Don't pry! Was I prying? He explained to Graham. You were thinking about it? She goes, pretty and smart and raised minds too, you see. She flushed. Let's leave it at smart. And doesn't like flattery. I'm taking notes. He added, smiling. How would you feel about living in Africa? I'm not leaving the country with you, she said. I have a nice little place there in Kenya with a pet lion. A lion? You got a lion? Marky was out of his chair in a flash, looking up at the tall blonde man. Could I pet it? You could even ride him, Rook assured him with a big smile. He's very tame. I raised him from a cub. Poacher's got his mom. Oh, that's very sad, Marky said. I would feed him hamburgers if I had a lion. I don't think they like it if you try to keep him in your apartment, Rook assured him. These two guys in England did just that, Jocelyn chuckled. It was viral on the web about two years ago. Two boys brought a lion cub and kept it in their apartment, and then they had to let it go to a preservative in Africa because it got so big. They went to see it, despite people worrying that it was wild and would attack them. But it ran right up to them and put its paw on their shoulders and started rubbing its head against them. It even took them to see its mate. She said, I cried like a baby watching it. They had the story on the news afterward. I sent a little check to the foundation and took in the boy's pet. <sighs> wild animals aren't so very wild after all, Wilker Green. Pretty so many people see them as way of quick profits. Oh, I do agree, Jocelyn said. See how much we have in common. Yes, I want. I want to go to Africa and see his lion. Marking out, can we go? But just six aside, Jocelyn told him gently, I do have a job and you have to go to school tomorrow. Oh, he thought about that for a minute. Can we go Saturday then? Both adults laughed. Children make impossible things seem so uncomplicated. Rooks remarked when Marky had gone back to his pro game and Jocelyn was serving up cups of strong black coffee. He wondered if her budget would stretch to give him free coffee to visitors and decided that he'd bring her a pound of his special South African coffee next time he came over. Yes, Mark. 
Yes, Marky's had a hard time of it, she remarked beside. He has asthma and his lungs aren't strong. We spend a lot of time in doctor's offices. That all allergy shots, he said hopefully. He takes them, she said, and they help, but if he's stressed or exposed to viruses, he gets sick easier than most kids do. He's a fine little boy, he remarked last time. You've done well. Thanks. The diary was laying beside her right hand. She hadn't let it out of her sight since they'd been in the apartment. It wasn't really his business, but he was quite curious about what dark secret she was keeping. <sighs> what are you going to do with that? Yes, and kidding it. Tear it up and burn it, she said at once. It must never be read by anyone except me ever. His eyes don't stop speculating. His eyebrows arch. My, you can see a lot without opening your mouth, she muttered. Facial expressions, one on one, he replied. Will they come back, you think? She asked wordly. He shook his head. Either they found what they were looking for, or it wasn't here. Found! She's staring at him with stark horror. She looked again at the diary. It was locked, and she remembered something she heard from a visitor from covert agencies about how easy it was to pick a lock. And a photograph, a documentary page went pale. Jocelyn, said gently, reading her horror. What do you have in there that's so frightening? A great source of blackmail, if I were rich, she said heavenly. She moved her hair back over. But I'm not rich, and I can't imagine what use anybody else would have for it. That wasn't quite true. The right person can do a lot of damage with the information in that little book. She shuddered to think what a criminal like Monroe could do with it. You mustn't worry, Rook said gently. I'll check around and see what I can dig out. I have all sorts of sources. She started to express warning. I'm not afraid for myself. I don't want anyone else hurt. You think somebody else could be? She said, yes. What tangled weed webs we weave, he murmured, alluding to a poem about deception. Indeed, said rapidly calling off. We make choices, then we live with them. Do you think you made the right one? He asked. He's my... I made the only one I could. She looked toward her son, who was oblivious to everything except the Japanese manga on the television. I've never regretted it. He's quite a boy. Thanks. His dad died in the service, I understand. He didn't look at her as he said it. Overseas. In the military. Sad. Mary, she got more coffee. He choked. No, thanks. I tend to be wired, even at good times. Too much caffeine can be a real killer, in my case. I drink too much of it. She confessed. He got to sleep. I'll get working on those locks. Do you go back to the office tomorrow? She said, well, I don't know. She said, Sally, my boss won't be there. And the only cases I'm working are his. Just as she said, the phone rang. She got up there and said, hesitantly, with her hand outstretched. She was about to put it on fire. She jerked it up. Hello? There was a long silence. Her blood felt as if... It froze. Hello, she repeated. The line went dead. She turned and looked at Rook, who, with absolute horror, took the receiver from her, punched in some numbers, listened and spoke. Yeah, yeah, he said so. so. Dude, quick. I want to know what brand of liquor drinks in ten minutes or less. Just do it, she hung up. Jocelyn was amazed. That is how authoritative and how businesslike he could be when he wasn't clowning around. You have it tapped? She was one. Yes, he replied coldly. The minute I pulled into the driveway... She bit her lower lip. I'm glad you came over. His eyes arched his one eye focus. You are? I could have a marriage license showing up in less than an hour. Stop that, she muttered. 
I'm not going to get married, but I have my own teeth, he protested, and I don't even have grey hair yet. That has nothing to do with it. A man with good teeth and no grey hair is a fine matrimonial prospect. I can also speak six impossible different languages, including Africans. He added, she went to clean the coffee pot, shaking her head the old way. Rook installed deadbolts and window locks. He also brought thermal curtains, heavy ones for the windows. He didn't tell her that a sniper would have a field day with the block of apartments overlooking hers. She wouldn't have thought that anyone would be crazy enough to shoot at her or the boy. That diary really puzzled him. He went out to get something to eat, and while he was out, he made two more telephone calls. Jocelyn would have had a heart attack if she heard the topic of discussion. Jocelyn didn't sleep well. She was certainly safe enough. Rook had kept down on the sofa in the living room despite her protest. Fully dressed, she was uncomfortable with a man in her apartment, but she couldn't say much. That phone call was just heavy breathing and had terrified her. She wasn't afraid for herself, but she was afraid for Marky. There were good reasons that she didn't advertise anything about his beginnings. Now they could serve to end his young life. She tossed and turned. John would be all right. Kilraven had told her. He was certain of it, but she couldn't get the picture of his white face and closed eyes and blood-stained lips out of her mind. He was such a strong, lively man that it was more disturbing to see him helpless. If he died, she didn't know what she'd do. She made decisions that had come back to haunt her. Perhaps she shouldn't have kept secrets. It had seemed the only possibility at the time, but now she got up just before daylight and went into the kitchen to make breakfast, blurry, hot, and sleepy. Rook glanced in the kitchen. She was already fully dressed in jeans and a t-shirt. She wouldn't wear that rig to work, of course, but she wasn't making food in her nightgown with a strange man in her apartment. Hungry? She asked, smiling as he joined her in the door. I could eat. Cereal? He asked. Oh, no. I make biscuits and eggs and bacon for Marky. I want to send him to school with a good breakfast. Biscuits? Real biscuits? He asked, surprised. Yes. She got on a rod iron skirt. I make them in this, she said, running her fingers lightly over the coated, coal black surface. It belonged to my great-grandmother. It's the only real heirloom I have. Impressive, he said, he mentioned. I haven't seen one of these since I was a kid myself. She smiled. It brings back a lot of memories. Did you know your great-grandmother? Oh, no, she died before I was even born. But my grandmother talked about her all the time. What about your parents? She said, my father died years ago. My mother and I don't speak. Sorry. Me too. It would have been nice if Marky had some grandparents of his own. He pursed his lips and washed her deaf hands, make the dough and roll it out and cut it. You do that very well, he said. She laughed. I've had lots of practice. You can cook, but you won't make coffee at the office. It's a matter of principle, she replied. If I start doing menial tasks, I won't ever stop. My job is demanding. I spend most of my day on the phone trying to track down information. Talking to people, making contacts, there's a rhythm. If I break it to go make coffee or start serving it to visitors, I lose my concentration. I'll see. My boss doesn't, she said with a wiggle grin. But over the years, he's learned to accept it. She put the biscuits in the preheated oven. He looked terrible, she said expression for one. Going shop victims mostly do, he said. But his injuries were slight compared to what they could have been, I assure you. Starting to look at him. You think he'll really be all right? She asked him. Of course. She studied him intently for a minute. You've been shot? She said. He nodded in dismal. Twice. Once in the chest. Once in the leg. Neither occasion was pleasant. They say Africa is a very dangerous place. It is, you agree. Depends on where you go. But violence is international. You find it in a lot of places. I guess so. I am South African, but I have a place in Kenya near a game preservative.
He told her his expression was wistful. I have a manager there to oversee it, but I miss being able to do that myself. I spend a lot of time traveling. Traveling more than I like. <laughs> you work in a dangerous profession, he bristled. Dear girl, you don't know what my profession is. Oh, I think I could make an educated guess, he retorted. Which would be wrong. I don't work outside the law. Well, he nodded. You remember that. She laughed and shook her head. She took Marky to school. She took time to talk to Mr. Morrison about the break-in and the threat of by Monroe. He was furious that somebody would threaten a child. He promised to keep a careful eye on Marky, make sure his teachers knew the situation. Then she drove to the hospital. She knew she was going to have a war trying to get past Cammie Blackhawk, but she wasn't going anywhere. She couldn't go on with her job and her life without knowing for herself how John was. She walked into the lobby and up the desk, asked for which room in ICU he, he was in, and she could see him, but they already moved him out of ICU into a room. She was told her heart lifted. He couldn't be dying if they'd done that. It turned out to be a private room on the second floor where... Very clean and bright, she stopped in the doorway, gripping her purse, waiting for Cammie to explode out in the hall. Told her to go away. John turned his head on the pillow, spotted her, his dark eyes behind. Come in. She looked around. She's not here, his voice was She's gone shopping with the fashion advisor. She laughed and walked in the bed, to the bed and looked down at him quietly. I'm glad you're better. I'm better? He asked with a grimace. You must be, or you'd still be occupying the cubicle when I see you, she assured him. I called the office, but they said I didn't have to go in today. Told them I was coming to see you. She had everyone since there were guards and some of the other agents in your squad are coming to see you as soon as visitors are allowed. I work with a great group of people. He turned painful. I'm going home to Oklahoma to the range. When they release me, I won't be able to work at the office for a couple of weeks. And the scenery is better there. So is the security. He had a grimly looked at upon. You're coming with me. Her heart flipped over. I, I, what? You and the child, he said. Rook told my brother what happened. You're not going to be killed because I made an enemy. Her legs fell away. I can't go to Oklahoma, she said quickly. I have to take a leave of absence to take Marky out of school. Details that can be worked out quite easily. I sent Mac to deal with all that. He waved an elegant hand and winced at the move. But don't argue, he said. I'm in no condition for a fight. She bit her lower lip. There were a dozen good reasons why she shouldn't let Marky be anywhere around this man ever. She couldn't find an argument that wouldn't work without telling the truth, which would never do. It's a nice ranch, he said coolly. Your son loves animals. He can even ride a horse. No! Jocelyn, both Mac and I were riding horses at the age of three. You know, I wouldn't let him get hurt. We have cowboys trained to work with disabled children who come to the ranch to ride our horses. You do? She was surprised. She never thought that disabled people could ride. Yes, he shifted in grimace. He was sore and sick. He hated being confined to bed, being hospitalized. It was the first time in his law enforcement career that he'd suffered a bullet wound. He could remember vividly the sense of sudden slowing when the bullet hit. He'd not felt the pain at first, just a hard blow like a fist in his back. Then everything slowed down, and he saw the sidewalk coming up to hit him. Felt blood on in his mouth. It had been an absolute shock. <sighs> You shouldn't be moving around, Justin Sickerson. You might reopen the wound, he later. I have my mother to harass me about such things. I don't need you to help her. She bit her lower lip again. Make all touches again. Sorry, slip of the tongue won't happen again. She crossed her heart. He laughed in spite of something wrong because of another slip. Very sorry, she said. I just wanted to see you to make sure that you were all right. I got a shot, he said earnestly. I'm not all right. You're not dead either, she reminded him. Sank back on the pillows and 
Fiddled with a lightweight sheet and blanket to cover him. The hospital gown was barely visible, but I'm freezing to death, he muttered. I want a real blanket and a comforter, and I want to go home. The nurse stuck her head around the door and grimaced. Sir, could you complain a little quieter manner? She asked him. There's a gentleman next door recuperating from a knife wound. He's trying to sleep. John glared at her. She cleared her throat and walked back out. John muttered unspeakable things under his breath. Your mother will have kittens if you even suggest taking me to Oklahoma, Jocelyn told him for a minute. I cannot work in a combat zone, he sighed. Neither can I, really. But what sort of chores do we have, he asked his black eyes. Rook told me that you had a break-in at your apartment and that there was a harassing phone call. She looked as tired as she felt. Yes, we had to call the police and have them investigate. Marky was scared to death, and so one of the investigators gave him a piece of chewing gum and enthused over his Diego toy. She had to learn to a children's program on TV. Thomas Rock, not your typical investigator. It was Rick Marquis, he said, laughing. He's sort of in a class of his own. He knows Rook, too, apparently. Most people in law enforcement know Rook or know about him. Yeah, he shifted in grimace. I don't want you alone in your apartment until we get the case wrapped up. Peppy may have been involved in my niece's murder. If that's the case, and he's hoping Monroe get even with me, he, uh, he'd have no problem shooting another child. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say that. He was convinced that Monroe would never have been able to carry out the shooting without flubbing it. She knew what he was referring to and made her pale. That being said, I would feel safer at your ranch. I understand you have at least one retired federal agent on your payroll. We have three, he corrected. Plus a former hitman for the mob. Stared at him without blinking. He was very young and desperate when he did his first job. He was tracked into it, tricked into it, and didn't fire the fatal shot. He did go to prison, and he was able to redeem himself before he became a hardened criminal. He did his time and paid the price. It was 25 years ago. He needed a job when he got out, and he worked with livestock at the prison where he served his time. I talked to him there several times when I was interviewing convicts on current cases. Still leery. You'll understand when you meet him. I'll have a private jet fly you and mark you up there tomorrow. Your mother! She's on her way to Paris tonight with a fashion consultant to see the new spring lines, he said drawing. Johnson, I promise to call her daily about my progress. You'll never know you were there. You should tell her, she said. Well, if I do, you'll never arrive. She'll commandeer the plant and land you on a desert island somewhere. She laughed. Okay. It's only for a few days when you come home. <sighs> When you come home, we'll have to make some security arrangements to keep you and Marky safe. I've already talked to the sack about giving you time off to help me work on cases at the ranch. She hated her financial ability to do anything about that, but she had no choice except to accept help. You couldn't put Marky at risk. It will be all right, Shirley. Nothing ever really is. She moves. She's my I'm glad you're getting better. She looks at her. I have to go. I'll have the pilot phone you tonight, he told her. Is Rook staying? She glowed at him. Yes, he won't leave, and I'm not strong enough to pick him up and toss him out the door. He's mine. He's the best at what he does. Don't argue. Okay. His eyes searched her and held them. It was like a mile like you I'll see you tomorrow, Jocelyn. His deep voice was almost purring. She turned a steady breath. Her heart was turning carbons. Okay. He smiled. Thanks for coming to see about me. She shifted. It's my job description. Take dictation, run down leads, keep a neat filing system online. Come see the boss when some idiot shoots him. She glanced at him. But I don't make coffee. He just shook his head. But there was a light in his dark eyes that was puzzling. She thought about that all the way home. End of chapter 7.